veterinarians are literally the canary in the coal mine. This lack of personal financial literacy basically permeates all of society. It's not just an American thing. It's an entire worldwide problem. That is Dr. Lance Rosa, joined by Dr. Drew Olson. And this is the VIN Foundation's Veterinary Pulse podcast. I'm Jordan Benchia, the Executive Director of the VIN Foundation. Join me and our co-host and VIN Foundation board member, Dr. Matt Holland, as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics and share stories. Stories that connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible by individuals like you who donate to the VIN Foundation. Thank you. Please check the episode notes for bios, links, and information mentioned. Welcome, Lance and Drew. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be here, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Really excited to chat. Yeah, I'm excited to get into this with you guys. I mean, we've been working behind the scenes and collaborating for a while, and it just seemed like a good idea that we throw a podcast episode out here, up here and share the goodness with others so we don't keep it all to ourselves. <laughs> exactly. This is going to be a lot of fun. All right. So let's let's just dive right in and give me a little bit of history on each of you and how you got into vet med and you know, sort of your story. Well, thanks. I'll go ahead and jump in there first. And so I'm a 2008 graduate, Texas A&M, but my story really in veterinary medicine started a long time before that. And it didn't really necessarily take the the route that most people um, go into veterinary medicine. Interestingly, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to go into veterinary medicine is I wanted to be a small business owner. Um, I thought that the business side was absolutely fascinating and all the other stuff with veterinary medicine and surgery and, and all that stuff kind of came secondary to that. And that quite honestly has kind of dictated my career. Now that I think back of it, I didn't really think about that a lot when I was in veterinary school and, and even out in practice uh, quite a bit. So I did always want to be a veterinarian, just not for the, some of the same reasons that other people want to be veterinarians. Yeah. You don't really hear that too often that people get into the veterinary medicine to be a small business owner. Uh, maybe that was a little bit of a flawed assumption, uh, Jordan. Maybe I didn't do my homework ahead of time. <laughs> well, All right. How uh, about you, Drew? Well, that's a good question. Um, and, you know, kind of to mirror off Dr. Rosa, uh, you know, small business has always been a passion of mine. I've uh, my first real job was actually uh, my first veterinary job. I've always done um, my own small businesses on the side. Uh, I've always loved animals, working with animals, um, communicating with people. So I nat- naturally gravitated to medicine in general. Um, after a trip with a cardiologist in Switzerland, a human cardiologist, I came back and decided veterinary medicine would, would be where I would like to go. Uh, as an aside, actually, uh, the reason I ended up going to veterinary school is because I got accepted. Uh, my big passion was in renewable energy. and if I didn't get accepted, I was actually going to go work in a startup in Minnesota. So um, instead, I went to Ames, Iowa. So go Cyclones. <laughs> you guys founded Drip.Vet. Tell me a little bit more. When did you found it? Why did you found it? How did that get started? How did you guys find each other? Let us in on a little bit of your story. Sure. We can go back to 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And, and actually, we attended 
uh, Drew and I knew each other. Drew, Drew and I knew each other, didn't know each other well. We were actually working on some boards and some committees uh, for the Nebraska Veterinary Medical Association around uh, some legislative stuff had to do with compounding. So nothing to do with, you know, with really drip.vet or or uh, personal financial success. However, we did go to the Fix the Debt Summit, uh, which was held at, at Michigan State University. And that Fix the Debt Summit, people came in from all over the country. Um, and the main thing at topic was this topic of how do we work with the, the outstanding debt to income ratio that's within veterinary medicine. Now, at the time I was teaching in a bunch of veterinary schools, probably 14, 15 veterinary schools. And I taught courses around law and business and ethics and, and things like that. And, and keep in mind, the key word there was business. And so as the three or 400 people that were in this room started looking around, these were faculty members and, and people that ran veterinary organizations and associations and things like that. And they said, who was who able to teach personal finance? And one of the key components out of that debt to that fix the debt summit was we need to teach more personal finance and veterinary students and veterinarians, early career veterinarians. They looked around the room and said, who's capable of teaching this? And I kind of got nominated. Now, at the time, I wanted to make a big distinction that teaching business and the business of running a veterinary practice is totally different than personal financial success. But it's easy for people to conflate those two things. And I want to draw that distinction. Personal finance is all about your personal finances, whereas business is about running a practice, about owning a practice. Two different things, some overlap, but very different topics. So coming out of that, Drew and I kind of teamed up and we said, hey, we're, we're probably some of the only people that can teach this. And one of the reasons or the reason that we founded Drip.Vet was to combat the suicide epidemic in veterinary medicine. But more than just the suicide epidemic, we were seeing and dealing, and these were friends of ours that were dealing with anxiety, with depression, with burnout, with compassion fatigue. We saw our own classmates leaving the profession and going and getting jobs elsewhere. And we knew that there was a core fundamental problem in veterinary medicine. And we created this hypothesis that basically said that one of those core fundamental problems is the fact that veterinarians and veterinary students don't know much about their personal finances. And that lack of personal financial training goes on to run into issues with finance, with stress, with anxiety. And that starts us down the road to all the bad stuff that I mentioned earlier. And uh, Lance, you did a good job there. And from from my standpoint, uh, you know, I was, and I love this analogy that Lance makes a lot. Uh, I personally was the canary in the coal mine uh, and had a passion for, um, maybe we could even joke tweeting out or, you know, raising awareness nationally uh, before owning veterinary hospitals with Lance. I, uh, my profession was primarily on national education with veterinarian and technicians on compounding uh, medications, which uh, actually then ended up blending into our opioid education as well as, you know, things seem to come together. But, um, you know, I was really in a spot um, that, uh, kind of that typical person, that persona that was running into financial difficulties, that was running into emotional uh, difficulties, uh, anxiety, uh, depression, um, even facing challenges uh, with suicide. So, you know, at that point, 
um, you know, Lance and I were connected and becoming good friends and, and thought if Lance could, could help, uh, create the message, design the message that I would be able to help get the message out in, um, you know, to essentially the nation. And that's where the, the roots of drip.vet were formed. It is interesting how we see finance is such at the root of so many things. I mean, a lot of people personally and professionally, it's something that they struggle with. And it's always fascinating to me how people justify finances in different ways, right? And it's really tied to how they spend it and I think what they value and, and what they what they find worthy. Definitely, you know, with the VIN Foundation Student Debt Center and all of our student debt initiatives, we see so many veterinary students who get into veterinary school and their sole goal is really to just get in. And then they get in and they're not even thinking about what's going to happen when they get out. They just want to go anywhere that they get accepted. And a lot of times that means that they end up choosing extremely expensive schools. And then they end up with this huge student debt balance. Have you guys found that as well? Absolutely. And so, you know, not only do we find that, but just like the Venn Foundation, you know, we work with these people on or with these individuals on a daily basis. Um, and so it's not just the, this this concept that there's this debt to income ratio that's problematic. And we look at, you know, in, in the organizations are looking at, you know, large scale numbers. And I say, no, I mean, these are people that are attached to these numbers. These are people that actually have this debt, that actually have this income, that have to wake up and, and deal with this every single day. So to answer your question very directly, yes. And it's, and it's very concerning and it's very, um, it, it's, it's scary. And it's, it's also very saddening when you're actually talking uh, to someone that's facing these issues. I am not a big numbers person. Uh, I've, it's been a um, more of passion and, and purpose and things like profits and, and money, you know, follow that for me. And connecting stories and people and removing the statistics and has been really important for us. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's when you're able to see sort of on a more human level, you're able to connect with, as Lance said, there are people behind these numbers and that's an extremely important factor and the most important thing to think about. And the choice that they make at which veterinary school they will go to will impact them for decades to come and those they love and the people in their life. So it's an extremely important decision. <laughs> Incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the VIN Foundation is super excited because we've collaborated with you and with VIN on this course that you guys are offering for veterinary students for free. And so I want to kind of give you guys an opportunity to introduce that course, share with us about it and why you started it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yes, uh, you know, pleased to announce that the VIN Foundation, VIN and Drip.Vet have collaborated on personal financial success for some time now, but even it goes way further than that. And so the VIN Foundation has been putting, poor, putting forth the absolute best resources when it comes to student debt topics, when it comes to wellness topics, when it comes to helping veterinarians. And we over at drip.vet, we've been relying on those resources quite a bit. And so we link out in, as part of our course, as part of personal financial success, we send people to VIN Foundation all the time. So it just made really good sense for us to team up on the actual course itself. Um, to answer your question directly, why did we start personal financial success and why do we have this as a separate course? Well, as part of my teaching responsibilities, I went to start looking 
around for, is there a course, is there something, an off-the-shelf solution that we can go pull from, from another profession? Can we go look at dentists or pharmacists or, you know, or engineers or lawyers or, you know, teachers or somebody else that's a profession that's struggling with the debt to income ratio and struggling with personal financial literacy. And this, the short answer is, is no, there is no off the shelf solution. Drew kind of mentioned it earlier, but what we're seeing is, is, is veterinarians are literally the, the canary in the coal mine. Um, this lack of personal financial literacy is basically permeates all of society. It's not just an American thing. It's a, it's an entire worldwide problem. Personal financial literacy really should be taught at the junior high and high school level. But here we are in professional school and for early career doctors teaching personal financial literacy. And the reason for that, the reason that we have to teach that in veterinary medicine is veterinarians have some of the most obscene and high debt to income ratios. We have more people that are struggling with high amounts of debt low incomes, and not a lot of financial skills to be able to balance those things out. So we literally had to go create the will, Jordan. We had to go create this course from scratch if we wanted to get across to veterinarians. But we had to do it with some really, really important limitations. Number one, we couldn't add any more stuff to the veterinary students day. They're already extremely busy in class. We couldn't just say, hey, peel out, you know, 20 hours a semester or peel out, you know, a weekend that would just add more stress to their environment. The second thing that we, we quickly learned when we started doing the research, research and trying to understand how to teach financial topics is that a classroom setting does not work. I want to repeat that. So there's been huge studies, meta-analysis that look at hundreds of papers of people that actually teach personal financial topics for a living. This is their job. And they write, they research and they write papers on this. And they come out and they say that if you just go talk to a group of students for an hour, two hours, 20 hours, six hours, whatever that, whatever that is, when it comes time to actually using that information in real life, there's this thing called information decay. The students don't actually use it in real life. So more importantly for me was this, this factor of information decay, and it can actually go negative, meaning that by standing in the classroom and teaching to a group of students, you can actually do more harm than good. So what it told us is, is the traditional way to teach, standing in the classroom or delivering live presentations, not only doesn't work, it can actually do more harm than good. And then secondly, there's, there's just no time in the veterinary school curriculum to get this across. So we had to find a way to deliver these materials in a way that is, was easy and also encourage retention. So we found this thing called drip teaching methodology, and that's where drip.vet gets its name from. Actually, drip.vet gets its name from a focus group. A bunch of veterinary students came together and said, hey, this is the coolest and most fun name that you can come up with, but it's based on drip teaching methodology. So we deliver in personal financial success small tidbits of information, drips, if you will, over large periods of time. Over time, those drips of information, six to eight minutes at a time, it adds up to a lot of material. We're getting that material across, but more importantly, we're encouraging retention. Keep in mind here, Jordan, that our goal at the end of personal financial success is not to have someone 
take a test. We can teach people how to take a test and how to pass a test on personal financial literacy. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to change behaviors in the real world. We're trying to change people's habits, which is a lot harder and a much more loftier goal, but that is ultimately what's needed if we're going to change people's lives. And just to go off that, uh, you know, the drip is the opposite of the fire hose. And whenever I close my eyes and think of drinking out of a fire hose, which pretty much all the professors in my first year of veterinary school, were going to say the next four years of my life is going to be like it. The primary feeling I have is pain. You know, that, that does not sound like fun to drink out of a fire hose or very effective, uh, uh, Lance and I did a lot of research. Lance did a lot of research. And we also had a PhD that has wrote books on pedagogy that was part of it. And Lance, I do want to ask you one question as being a person that was going and still does teach at a lot of the veterinary schools in a um, arguably firehose fashion. What were your what were your feelings as we were uh, finding all of this research out? Well, it was extremely disappointing to know that me getting on airplanes and flying across the country and staying away from my family and, and, and sleeping in hotel rooms and, and delivering this fire hose of information was actually doing more harm than good. It, I mean, it was quite depressing for me to know that that was what my life was right now. And I was actually doing the exact thing that I didn't want to do, which is harm veterinary students. And Jordan, we spent, uh, you know, quite a bit of time on on the research, how to develop it, and then what what sort of platform does that look like? Uh, I don't even want to think about the amount of money and time that we've spent uh, experimenting on things in the trash can, basically that that were scrapped. But we did find that providing an, uh, an environment so that people can access via mobile um, very very quickly, uh, emails eventually down the road. You know, things like push notifications that you can essentially slowly gain your knowledge um, on the subway or riding, a, maybe not riding a bike is a bad example, but maybe while you're taking a break between riding a bike, um, maybe a break between your surf surfing appointments, uh, Jordan. But, you know, the, creating something that's really easy to access and that's fun and interactive. And that's where uh, linking over to the boards with uh, Dr. Uh, Tony Bartels has really been helpful in uh, getting that in initial information out, getting the conversation started, and then continuing the conversation with VIN and VIN Foundation. And what I'm hearing is, is you guys have put a lot of time and effort in meeting people where they are, right? Because it's really challenging in general, I think, for people to grasp subjects that can sometimes be taboo or something they don't want to talk about. And the last thing you want to do is have a high barrier of entry, right? I mean, that's not going to be successful for anybody. So it seems to me that DripDotVet really does a good job of creating a low barrier to entry with these small sort of micro learning bits of information that, as you said, Drew, you know, mobile, email, online, it, it seems like that, that that offers a much more improved educational um, opportunity for information to be absorbed. Is that what you guys have found as well? Exactly. And um, this goes, we are now... Um, I don't know, maybe considered in the last leg of the COVID, everyone's getting 
vaccinated and things are starting to look better. But before COVID, we were uh, continuously preaching and um, sometimes, you know, pounding sand was was the feelings around online education, around um, virtual environments. And now, um, after a lot of uh, people have been forced into that, uh, it's it's kind of the mainstay thought process of of how we work from home, how we study from home. Those uh, points three four years ago were crazy. You know, to think that a veterinary student would actually you know go online to receive their education. And do you see a? Have you seen a link? You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'm hoping that you can speak to it a little bit further about, you know, the connection between personal finances and personal mental health. Yes. And so this was our personal hypothesis that that debt, that debt and problems with personal finance were leading to these issues that we're seeing downstream, anxiety, depression. We all know what the cortisol pathway will do. And we all know that once you get into this circle, that it can lead to severe depression and, and even suicidal thoughts and behaviors. However, we didn't have that link in veterinary medicine at that point in time, 2015, 2016, when we started this. And so we started looking at what does what what does the societal papers do? What 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 happens when we look at Americans at large? Do Americans in a precarious financial situation do they have a higher incidence of stress and anxiety and even suicide? And to answer that question, yes, they do. And so people that are undergoing personal financial struggles are orders of magnitude more likely to die by suicide. But I want to point something out here, Jordan, that this is not just about suicide prevention. And I, I want to do call special highlight to Vets for Vets. And so that is a huge resource. Um, I love the work that you guys are doing over there at Venn Foundation. Please make sure that the link to that is in um, the notes for this podcast. But backing up, this is more than just about suicide. The, the people that have high amounts of debt they have all sorts of ancillary effects on their on their personal side, not just on their financial side. So they do things like delay relationships. Um, they don't get married or don't enter in relationships or they enter relationships later in life. Uh, secondly, they delay having a family and, and having children. And so they put those things off until they can, quote unquote, get their career under control. People move all over the country to get to the job that pays the most. And so this means that they miss out on family time. They miss out on, on, on birthday parties and nieces and nephews, uh, you know, graduations and things like that, because they're living hundreds of miles away from home. There's all these little bitty things that we change in our life because we're dealing with debt and we're because we're dealing with a, a lack of financial aptitude. So in our research, we found all these things. It's like, wow, we didn't really think about all of the stuff that this debt to income ratio and a lack of financial literacy has to do with veterinary medicine. It just so happens at that point in time, there wasn't a lot of research on that in veterinary medicine. Now, fast forward to 2021, we are starting to see some studies and some surveys that link these things directly. So veterinarians are now pointing to and saying, because of my lack of personal financial literacy or because of my debt or because of my uncertainty around my income, it is leading to depression, anxiety, um, delaying important things in life, and even suicide. 
And uh, Jordan, that's a, a really good point. And I just kind of want to bring up too that there's, in my mind, kind of two, two groups. Um, one group that needs it now and more of a preventative medicine group. So I think all the uh, veterinarians and technicians listening can agree that preventative medicine uh, is the way to go. You know, do your annual exams, that, that sort of thing to make sure that your pets are healthy. What the personal financial success course is, is trying to, to build habits. Uh, Lance, I think after this, I'd like you to talk a little bit about the habit formation because you hadn't mentioned that yet. But getting the habits so that we don't end up in these scenarios where we're going to vets for vets or, um, you know, it, on other other platforms where we're basically at the end of our rope. If Can we uh, either, if we're in that group that is kind of at the end of the rope, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm pretty sure all veterinarians have been asked by people, uh, would you be a vet again? Would you go down that road again? And maybe think before answering that of, you know, well, why don't you find out for yourself and, um, you know, look at taking a course to get yourself educated. Uh, ideally, that we would uh, move this course into uh, early on, like Lance had talked about in you know grade school and high school, um, pre-veterinary school to, to get further down the road. Because even right now, it, we have each course is individually designed for each year of veterinary student. Um, they're all in different needs and, and timing. Lance, another thing you could probably talk about is just in time education, that this is a large course, you know, broken up, but, you know, either, um, this course you need it, you know, right now, or you needed it a while ago. Um, so I just wanted to kind of create those two groups, but we all can either, if we need it right now, um, do that, but then also refer people to taking the course that may be earlier on in their careers or even in pre-veterinary. I just want to jump in here for a minute and say, I think we should probably let people know and the listeners know this course is free. All of VIN Foundation resources are free. You just have to be a pre-veterinary student, a veterinary student, or a veterinarian. That's it. So this this course is also free, but I, w- I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that and you guys can speak to that. Yeah, thanks for that, Jordan. And I'll actually take it a step further than that. So not only is it free and completely free and always will be free, it's also completely devoid of any outside financial interest. And so there's not, you know, like an app, there's not, there's not in-app uh, purchases available. Like it is, we haven't taken any money, uh, f- you know, from any sort of financial institution or any anybody like that that's trying to sell you something. So there are no conflicts of interest involved in personal financial success. It is purely, and just like Venn Foundation resources, it's purely just the best stuff, the stuff that you need to know, um, and not there's not any sort of under hit underlying or hidden agendas in it. Exactly, and we're uh, we're not going anywhere either. This is really Dr. Rosa and I's passion project to continue to give back, and uh, we will be here and continue to be improving those free resources too. Yeah, you know, when both hearing what both of you guys said, it just reminded me of this idea that, you know, when you hear people towards the end of their life and people ask them, what would you do differently? You never hear somebody say, I wish I had worked more, right? Uh, you always hear people say, I wish I spent more time with my loved ones. I wish I had spent time with the people that I care about or done things that I loved. And 
being able to do that begins with the decision based on where you spend your money, even money that's not technically yours yet. And when you borrow it, right. And so with that knowledge, starting for pre-veterinary students and which school they choose, all of these steps at every single defining moment in their career, they have this opportunity. And I think that this education is so vital because it helps them along the way to really understand and learn, look, you've got the opportunity to make it easier on yourself, right? I mean, you don't have to make this as hard. It's Life is hard and life is challenging in general with all those different aspects that you're talking about. And you know, the VIN Foundation Vets for Vets program found that we created something called the Thrive in Five Toolkit, which is to help veterinary students their first five years out of veterinary school. Because what we found is that if they were struggling in their first five years out of veterinary school, that they were struggling throughout their career. And if they were doing well in their first five years out, they were doing well throughout their career. And so we sort of put together a toolkit of all these different resources, all free again. Part of it's the Student Debt Center, you know, Vets for Vets new graduate survival manual, just things to kind of help them right when they get out of veterinary school. And I think that it's so important to have those resources combined with drip.vets resources in this course and just ways to really set them up for success just as any veterinarian would tell you to set up your puppy for success, right? I mean, that that's kind of, this is a key part of that is setting these veterinarians up for success in their life financially and, and mentally. Unfortunately, there's no magic bullet here. There's no one easy solution. It's a bunch of little bitty solutions. And that makes things complicated and that thing makes things complex for people. Um, but the, the bottom line here is, is you can do this. This is a very empowering situation. There's nothing that's overly complex. There's nothing that's overly, you know, uh, you need an MBA or a CPA or something like that to tackle this stuff. It's all little bitty things, tiny, tiny little steps that you can take in your life every yeah, single it, day. Uh, the key is to just get started and you, you know, where you focus your attention typically brings success. So a lot of this course has to do with that. Uh, also the feeling that, um, you know, especially like a first year veterinary student feels that they have to have it all figured out. Everything needs to be figured out what they're going to do for an internship or residency, how they're going to negotiate their first job, how they're going to do their repayments. You don't need to know that stuff at, you know, right now. What we do with this course is help generate confidence that if you just stay on track, you just take the drips as they come through, they'll start to slowly build and build. You'll maintain your focus. You'll create these habits that eventually by the time you're done, you're, you're good. The, one of the big, uh, benefits, one of the, one of the big benefits is that you can be confident and just rest easy that you are doing what you need to do right now. A lot of times it's, Hey, relax, you know, chill out. You don't need to know it all right now. Just get started. Yeah. Just get started. And along those lines, could you guys identify, um, I really like to give people tangible things, tangible ways to, to help, right? And, I, and clearly the drip.vet course is that it's very tangible. It's a very tangible approach with action items to do. 
And so could you guys give, you know, our listeners three goals maybe for veterinary students or even veterinarians who are struggling with their personal finances? And what, what would those three things, if they could do three things right now, something that, you know, in the next short period of time, they could take some sort of action to feel like they were moving in the right direction. What would those be? Yeah, absolutely. So three very tangible goals. Number one is get a sense of, of empowerment. You can do this. This is not overly complicated. You don't need to wait till you can take an accounting course at night or get an MBA or something like that. This is stuff that every single person can do. And more importantly, it's their responsibility that they should do. It's their personal financial success, not someone else. It's not something that you can hire hire out, you know, et cetera. The second thing that you can work on is habits. And so just like if you are, you know, deciding, hey, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to work out. It's all about getting yourself in the habit of doing those things. There's never going to be a perfect day to do this. The perfect day is always tomorrow if you're a procrastinator like me. And so the idea is, is you have to integrate these things into your habits. And so that's one of the biggest points that we make in personal financial success is how do we do the mental hacks? How do we do the the life hacks to integrate these things into our habits? And there's lots of little bitty stuff that we we can do. And in fact, just like Drew talked about, we had a PhD uh, researcher come in and, and teach us habit formation and how to how to hack the system and to get those habits built in to the system. And the third thing, uh, Jordan, this is a little bit more tangible and it's a little bit, it's a little bit less exciting, more boring, um, is it's all about budgeting. And so one of the biggest things, the difference between see, we the difference between people that we see are highly successful, you know, from a financial standpoint and also from a happiness standpoint, have good, good uh, you know, uh, mindfulness and and good uh, a good contentness within veterinary medicine. It's the fact that they use a personal budget versus people that are struggling, that people can't pay their bills, the people that just don't understand where their money's going. It, it comes down to that budget. So one of the biggest habits that we can get across to you is to get on that budget. And that's one of the hallmarks of personal financial success is making sure that we're checking in with people you know, on a monthly, weekly basis, making sure that we're giving folks all of the tools that they need on how to budget. We're bouncing ideas back and forth off of people about technology tools and how to budget better. I know that it seems simple. I know that it doesn't seem very exciting, but being successful on the personal financial side is all about developing and sticking to a budget. I'd completely agree with those goals too. Do you guys have a template for a budget that you share? We have multiple templates for budgets that we share. So either, you know, either that's like me. So I'm an Excel, I'm the old Microsoft Excel, Google spreadsheet budgeter. Um, so we have templates on that, on that format, but we also have templates that people can use inside of Mint and, and in, in, in sort of any other budgeting app. And so, you know, we have thousands of veterinary students that are in veterinarians that are in personal financial success. So we get a lot of great ideas that other people are doing in, in the way that they're budgeting. And so this is a community that we're trying to learn from each other. And so there's plenty of budget examples out there. We do not want people to sit down and have to recreate the will. Use the use the resources that are in front of you. That's the core concept of Ben Foundation and the core concept of drip.vet. I love that. I think that's great. I think for a lot of people, just the idea of sitting down to start a budget can seem overwhelming. Like, where do I even begin? How do I name those columns? Where should each thing go? 
And so it's great that you guys have templates that will work even within Mint, et cetera, because it makes it just a lot easier for people to get started, lower barrier of entry. Well, here's an, here's an example of that, Jordan. And so, you know, let's say we have this task and we're going to create this budget uh, from scratch, you know, basically. Well, that budget process, developing that budget for the first time actually takes us about three weeks in, in personal financial success. Step one is just understanding where your money is coming from. Step two is going out and pulling that money together and understanding how much we're talking about that. Step two, and this takes places over multiple drips, over multiple days. So it's not that you're sitting down and just you know pouring away at the computer or the spreadsheets for hours upon hours. It's, hey, I'm going to do this 10 minutes a day. Hey, I'm going to do this 10 minutes a day. Over time, you get it done. So you take all the steps to get it done. However, it's not so time consuming and tedious and painful for your brain to get it done. So the point being is, is it's, hey, this wasn't so bad. This was easy. I can do this again. It's not like, you know, a two hour workout where, you know, you're like, I'll never do that again. So the whole point is making this easy and fun. So people continue to do it. I can tell you a little, uh, personal story here in uh, two, two scenarios. And uh, one scenario would be you're in veterinary school and maybe you have a significant other that, um, you know, is you guys are living together and um, maybe that person isn't as aware or has as much care for uh, budgeting as you do. And so um, depending on, it doesn't really matter what tool you're using, it really comes down to the communication. And, and in that spot, um, being aware of the ramifications of your budget versus their budget does make a difference. And we have interviews in our course that actually, unfortunately, and I'm sure the listeners probably have a couple degrees of separation of have this similar story is that relationships do end. And if you're not following your personal budget and someone else is using your budget, you're going to end up, you know, at what the short straw there. Um, the other scenario is, you know, you've, you're, um, maybe you're in a long-term relationship, it's solidified and uh, that person might not be really into technology. And, you know, Mint, uh, there's a lot of really cool templates out there. I'm obviously a big technology person, but if your significant other isn't, a pen and paper is a great place to start. It's the communication. It's building uh, an openness around those subjects. The financial uh, components, a lot of times, you know, if you're in financial hardship, you're having troubles, it's really hard to talk about, especially when you're you know, comparing yourself to the Joneses or, you know, in that rat race of life. So um, no matter what it is, I think communication and whatever means to creating that communication is really important. That's a good point, Drew. I, looking out for yourself and especially if you're in a relationship, making sure that you're in there with eyes wide open. I think that was a good suggestion. Thanks for adding that. We pulled the Band-Aid off in this course um, and, and people put their, their heart and soul and share their experiences to help people not feel alone, but also help them not make the same mistakes. Yeah, it's all about how we can help each other and 
leapfrog mistakes that others have made, right? And we can only do that through shared experiences, which I think the personal financial course does a great job of doing. So you guys have shared a lot with us and I really appreciate it. Just a couple more questions here. One is, what is something that you're excited about in the veterinary profession? I mean, we've talked about really heavy topics today, probably two of the heaviest topics in the veterinary profession. What's something that you guys are excited about? I tell you, every time that I get to to teach students, every time that I get to interact with students, um, it really makes me excited. It really invigorates me. And the reason for that is, is I see incredible ideas, incredible talents in the pool of veterinarians um, that are coming up, that are joining our profession. So uh, what excites me is the ingenuity, um, the entrepreneurship, and then then just the overall excitement uh, about the profession. So um, that, that energy is contagious, and that's why I love working with future colleagues. I'm really excited to be a part of uh, essentially our collective knowledge starting to be plugged in more and more together. Uh, if we look just from 10 years ago uh, to now, the ability for us to have a voice and be able to have our voice be heard quickly across the globe is really exciting. And I see some massive changes coming down the road quicker than a lot of people expect. That's great. Those are both positive things. And I think it's always good to end on a positive note. I'm going to throw a question your way. We didn't really prep for this. So hopefully, hopefully it doesn't totally throw you. And if it does, you know, we can make other arrangements, but I like to ask people um, on this podcast, do you have a secret talent or if it's not a secret talent, maybe something that you enjoy doing that others might not know about? That is a tough one, Jordan. I'll uh, I'll give you that for sure. Um, but I guess I think mine kind of goes back to uh, my time as a Texan. So I grew up in Texas, um, and I'll tell you, Jordan, I can't wait to to uh, to make it for you sometimes. But I make awesome guacamole sauce. I do have to say so myself. Wow! I mean, speaking as somebody that lives in Southern California, that that's 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 a challenge. I, <laughs> that sounds that's amazing. my secret talent. And here I thought you were going to say that you're a pilot. I mean, maybe too many people know about <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that one's not a secret anymore. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How about you, Drew? Um, you know, basically, if uh, if I'm starting to, you know, get uh, stressed out or anxiety or anything like that, my, my solution is swimming. So um, a lot of my close friends... Um, will send me to the swimming pool. <laughs> Drew, you need to go swim and, and then get back to us. So uh, that's a, it's kind of my secret sauce to getting through challenges and, and getting through life. That's a great one. The, the, you know, working out and exerting energy like that can be a great, a great equalizer for us, right? And helps us gain perspective in the midst of things. It definitely is for myself as well. I joke that everybody wants me to work out. They might not necessarily know it, but they just, they trust me, they do. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's your safe word. Right? Go work exactly. out. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. I know that we'll be doing this again. And um, thank you both so much for your dedication and for putting this effort into this passion project. It's making really a big difference in a lot of lives and improving the profession. And we are honored to be collaborating with you guys. And we look forward to more great things ahead. So thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Great to be here. And, and we are very happy to be um, collaborating with Vin and Vin Foundation.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well. Thank you, Jordan.